Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It's time for the GZ Chop Shop podcast. Each week Hosts Project Itachi and War Nurse bring you the latest in the gaming and tech industry. From the hottest releases to the juiciest scoops, while breaking down all the things you wish you knew. Now kick back, relax, and prepare to have your mind blown. The GZ Chop Shop starts right now. Welcome back, everybody, to another week of the GZ Chop Shop. As always, I am your host, Project Itachi, joined by my good friend and co-host, Warners. And uh, this week, we got a pretty interesting episode uh, for you guys. We're doing something a little bit out of the norm. Now, I know when you guys are hearing this, this is post-Halloween. We just had a big revelation before the show even started uh, (laughs) that we could have done for the whole month of October. But, you know, we know going forward for next year. All right, we're, we're not going to spoil it for you guys just in case something happens and for some reason we forget. But we're still going to piggyback off this idea. But we're still okay? going to do it. We're still going to, yeah, we're going to find some way to incorporate it. But um, if you guys caught my stream earlier this week and last week uh, when Warner's joined me, um, we had a really interesting conversation. I think I actually opened up your oh. eyes to... Uh, some things about a a title so this week's episode we're gonna actually just we're gonna do what we like to do and talk about games and the lore and one game in particular that's coming back and is long overdue for a comeback and and proper handling is silent hill yes silent hill i'm so excited about this you have no idea silent hill um Mm -hmm. Not only dude, I remember playing the original Silent Hill and I was like 10 or 11. Horrifying. And I have no idea why I had a copy of this game because it was definitely I was not in that age range. And I remember playing that game and having nightmares. Silent Hill is is iconic horror in the gaming uh medium. Um and and for those who probably don't remember, um, I think they've actually have like I want to say six. I don't remember. There was there's a whole YouTube video that goes down the lore beginning to end of Silent Hill. And I have to say, um, I think I think it's like six, six or seven games. Actually, it might be more because there's some arcade games. Uh, I now appreciate even more some of the games that weren't as well received and now I understand why people were probably confused with the exception of game mechanics, like game mechanics don't have anything to do with the story, but the overall story where some people were like, they were confused. They didn't understand where this was coming from. Everything in silent Hill, everything revolving around it, all the games they're connected. 
the whole timeline of Silent Hill, even the PT demo had a small connection to the canon Silent Hill storyline. And it sucks that we never got that game. But we are getting a remake of the first Silent Hill and a new Silent Hill called Silent Hill F. Which looks like it has a strong Japanese influence, which in my opinion, that is going to be just straight horrifying because the Japanese know how to do horror. They know how to do horror. So with the remake of the original Silent Hill coming out and Silent Hill F coming out, we really had a good chance to talk about the lore. So we wanted to tell you guys in case you are like, you know, you forgot about Silent Hill and all you ever played was the games. And I got to say, I didn't know that there were comics, canon comics for Silent Hill and that the actual Silent Hill storyline, the whole canon storyline doesn't start with the first Silent Hill. But the canon storyline actually starts hundreds of years before Silent Hill, the game. And the first comic says it starts, the whole thing starts in 1862 from a curse because of basically this assassin who, he, he and his wife, they came to this new land and this, this Indian woman uh, basically was, was haunting them. And this man was haunted by his past. He was literally being haunted by his past. He was an assassin and he was being haunted by those he had killed. And he kept seeing this apparition of this ghostly woman that would just appear. Now, mind you, his wife is pregnant. They moved to this place of Silent Hill. This is before the Silent Hill curse takes root. They moved to this place, Silent Hill, to start over. He's trying to leave his assassin life behind. He barely remembers it. And this Indian woman constantly visits his his home and you think she has good intentions but she slowly is placing a curse on him his wife and the child with each visit she's slowly placing a curse because what i believe the character's name was jeb what he doesn't remember is he killed the indian woman's daughter as an assassin as an assassin while he was an assassin did he not move very far away from his assassination? I guess not because he started to see all of his he, he said, victims. I'm gonna, I guess in the, in the 1800s, starting a new life really was like a few miles. It was like as far way. as your horse could take you. <laughs> <laughs> so these trees look nice. Yeah. Here, right here. So basically the spirit he saw was the spirit of that woman. And what made it worse was he killed her while she was pregnant. So the mother of that girl is helping instill this curse on the land because the other catch is the land that they moved to. He took an assassination job to kill all of the natives on it so that the rich people could take over the land. Now, when he by the time he moved to this place, the, the rich, rich people, they took it or they yeah. able to. He had done the dirty okay. deed, so the land, the entire land of Silent Hill was theirs. So he created an Indian burial yeah. ground. We say rich people, but we know it was like it was like it was the, yeah, it was basically like, white folks in the and then it's how it was at the time. Yeah. 
And the Native American woman basically came and placed a curse specifically on him because he was like one of the forefronts that caused this whole thing, a curse on him. So he started seeing all of his victims, but he didn't remember them. As the curse grew, he started to remember who everyone was. And and the way they said it was like his past life, his past life. So in his past life, he was this assassin. And now in this current life, but basically it was just saying like his memories weren't what they were supposed to be. And he started seeing his victims all through Silent Hill. This is how Silent Hill began. It began as a curse on the land. And uh, it, it basically goes ahead and says that obviously the curse succeeded. The woman gave birth to the child, but her, Jeb, the assassin, they die in this fire that creates the birth of Silent Hill. And then the girl who he had killed takes over the baby's body. So it's not even his kid. And is this, is this when Silent Hill completely burns down? This is when Silent Hill completely burns down and it it, burns down. But then like the, uh, is it the coal mine? Coal mine. Yeah. So everyone knows it about the coal mine. And I just got to say for anyone who's looking at the Silent Hill movies, I have more appreciation for the Silent Hill movies because in terms of, pulling from the core content of the games, they did a pretty good job. However, those movies are not canon because they changed it to be more open to people who might not know what Silent Hill was and just wanted a good um, scare, you know? So I will give them credit. The Silent Hill movies are not bad. They actually did good for following movie number uh, two and four, I believe. Pretty good. Um, There's four? No, they were following games two and four. Oh, oh, I was like, there's a no, fourth one no, no, no. or a third one? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but everyone thinks Silent Hill started with the coal mine. Because in reality, yes, there is that Pennsylvania coal mine where the fire's still burning and, you know, nobody goes there. Uh, the movies really emphasize that. But the actual birth of Silent Hill was from a curse. And it seems like the coal mine was just eventually built in that area. Which, you know, just contributed to it, contributes to the lore. But the originals, apparently originally Silent Hill was Native American land that was taken from them in blood and they cursed the land. And it pretty much goes from there. And that's like the same. That's the storyline that says it started back in 1862. So and there's like several stories before we even hit the first game. Um, there was a, a a story of, it is funny that their names was Jack and Jill, but they weren't brother and sister. They were actually like another assassin, but he stole his boss's wife away basically. And they passed through Silent Hill and it's so much stuff that even I can't remember it all off the top of my head. So I strongly implore you guys, if you like the Silent Hill franchise, find the comics, look at the lore. You can find a YouTube video that pretty much puts it all in order for you. It's a really good video and it's just mind boggling. Um, But coming up to the games that everybody knows, that's like hundreds of years down the road. And the symbolism of what Silent Hill truly is really makes you appreciate that game more. Because Silent Hill is built... uh, from for the most part off the guilt of its inhabitants yeah you you had briefly touched on on the guilt part um about 
how it, it comes down to if, if you're not affected by Silent Hill, mm. if you have no guilt, and if you do have guilt, then you are you're affected by it. Uh, affected, and you do you do find yourself in Silent Silent Hill in this other dimension. Mm. Um, I, I I think I asked you the question. Uh, what was it? If it, how how can they tell between someone who is not guilty because they truly are innocent and at heart or a complete sociopath who doesn't even comprehend emotions. Therefore they don't feel guilty. Yeah. And it was touched on that in silent Hill. I believe it was either three or four, whichever one was silent Hill, the room, your main character. He's one of the few main characters next to, I believe Travis who wound up in silent Hill through means outside of just being unlucky um because at this time the order is established there was a a cult that was now built around silent hill and i believe they were called the order and their whole purpose was to resurrect their their god basically over time the the that's what the cult in uh, the movies were loosely. That's based what they were loosely of. based off of. They were based off the order and their whole purpose was to resurrect their God and purify the world. And they saw silent Hill as this basic purification process. It's kind of like whisper down the lane. If they warped why silent Hill came to be and changed it to something that in a way was beneficial to them. Silent Hill was built to be a curse on the land and and punishment to those that had that kind of murky past that guilt everything and then the order comes about and they're like well hey you know there's there's can we can use this to our benefit which ties into those people who have no conscience (laughs) because another catch of silent hill is the people in the order apparently had the ability to create pockets of silent hill they could create those twisted worlds which is where Silent Hill, the room comes in and showcases that like, you know, the guy was a killer, not the main character, but the main antagonist, he was a killer. And the Silent Hill, your character enters was created from that guy's mind. And, you know, he was basically just trying to complete this sacrifice, sacrificial, uh, he, he, the, the killer used, used his ability to, capture this random guy who was uh at least not guilty yeah. didn't feel and not even just him an, an innocent guy yeah. and forced silent hill or forced that dimension yeah he him. basically lived in an apartment and the room he had lived in there, there's a whole bunch of lore to it but the room he had lived in he had lived this rough life he was adopted by the order and he pretty much lived by the way the order was so he had developed the ability to create the as they call it the other world the the site that you know which ties into silent hill and he was trying to do what the these 21 sacrifices and he used himself as the 11th sacrifice so he wasn't even in our world anymore he lived in silent hill so he pretty much you know that he was able to just like make it tear into the real world well the main character just happened to live in the same apartment as that previous guy and because there was a gateway he could come to and from silent hill freely 
but he didn't have any burdens of his own. He didn't have any guilt of his own. He just happened to be an unlucky person. He was meant to be a sacrifice to die in the world of Silent Hill. But those who had any weight that could tie them to Silent Hill, which you find out the other characters who had connections to that murderer carrying some weight, whether they knew what he was up to, knowing something, anything that could guilt them, kept them in Silent Hill. Because if he tried, in, in one scene, he tries to leave with a girl he saved, he crawls through a hole in the wall. And she says all she saw was him just disappear. She never could see the exit. But he can come in and out freely. He had nothing to really tie him to, to Silent Hill in, in that way. And that's where it ties in that Silent Hill overall is a form of purgatory in a way. So if I can't fly the flying Nimbus, then I'm not, I, then, then I'm getting sucked into. You're getting sucked into Silent Hill. We all are. Cause none of us can. None of us can fly. Yeah. You can't, unless you're, yeah, you gotta be, there's, there's also another reason why, even though they show it's like little kids running around and stuff, but you ever notice no, kids don't get hurt in Silent Hill. No, is there, there's a, there's a reason for that. Well, think about it. If Silent Hill is your guilt, what guilt do most kids have that would keep them in Silent Hill? That's true. I, so with that said, like the, 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 I guess the psychological um, development that went into this game is actually pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because another Cause really, because ch- children are only guilty or good or bad because we label them. So exactly. But up to a certain age, they, they really have no sense of that. Exactly. They're, they, they're innocent. They're, they're just trying their best. Even when they do something wrong and they might subconsciously, they may subconsciously by human nature know it's wrong, but if no one tells them it's wrong, they won't have guilt about it. Right. So if they don't, it's, it's like when a uh, perfect example, everyone is colorblind and someone's, you know, wait, what do you mean? Everyone's colorblind. If, you didn't know the word red and no one told you the color that you're looking at is red. How would you know red? Right. Cause we gave it a name. We gave it a name. That, that's the one. And that's, that's the red, one that's red. red. So it's the same thing for kids. If no one tells them that what you did right there is bad and this is why, then they have no guilt. And to, that's interesting. I mean, like now that you've brought it up, like I, just remembering a, a lot of scenes and stuff. Uh, I can see it, but I never noticed mm-hmm. it. Cause Silent Hill takes in whole towns. None of those, you know, those towns don't have kids. <laughs> and, 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 and there's something that ties into that part a little bit later on too. Um, but a big character, a big uh, antagonist in Silent Hill franchise is Pyramid Head. Iconic. But a lot of people don't understand what he represents. They're just thinking, man, there's this big butcher cleaver guy that goes around banging creepy nurses and trying to cut me in half. But he's usually the character's representation of their guilt. Because if you notice in the certain games where he's omitted, those characters have no personal guilt. They just happen to get caught up in Silent Hill. But any character who's bearing some form of guilt, especially I think it was in Silent Hill 2 or 3, where the main character, you come to find out he actually killed his wife to, to prevent her from suffering further. He bared that guilt. So Pyramid Head was the manifestation of his guilt. He wanted to be punished for what he did, and that's where Pyramid Head comes from. And it gives a whole wow. new twist to when you see Pyramid Head showing up. I, I always thought, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people 
you know, if they weren't familiar, we just kind of automatically assumed that he was like their representation of getting justice to the world that treated, like did something wrong Mm -hmm. to them and gave them that guilt or, you know, something along those Mm -hmm. lines. Uh, I, I saw him as like an executioner for, for justice being, being done for, for the person that's trapped in silent hill. Yeah. And then even coming back to Silent Hill 1, what really is a kicker is Harry's daughter that he goes in to Silent Hill and retrieves. So when we pick up with Harry, right, here's the fun part. When you if, if it's it's foggy, but if you remember, you just, you know, there's the car crash, Harry's daughter disappears, and we're like, oh my gosh, he's got to go get his daughter. There's a whole like two to three stories before that. We're picking up. Best way I can describe it is it's like Star Wars Episode Four. We all the very first Star Wars film is the fourth installment. We're picking up at the fourth episode. It's the same thing for Silent Hill. We basically are picking up at like Episode Six because the story leading up to that explains who his daughter is and why they were going the direction they were going. You get to see more of Harry's wife. Then you find out his daughter was adopted in the first place because she was basically birthed. I don't remember the details, but she was basically birthed by the order's will. Her personality got split in half. Half of her wound up in Silent Hill, which the movie does pull from. I, that, that's what I was going to ask and ask was, is that's, that's where the movie pulls where from, but they don't to... explain the full, like, why they kind of glaze it the gravity of the The gravity of the situation the movie the movie does it more justice i think people just didn't appreciate it because they didn't know that there was they were pulling not just from the game but some of the lore before the game and i don't think even gamers knew that so that's why they probably couldn't accept the movie as well but they were doing pretty good pulling from the canon because there's that whole story before silent hill where they adopted uh, I think her name is Shelly. They adopted her. They basically got her away from the order, but by then her personality had been split. Half of her is in Silent Hill and the good half goes with Harry and his wife. We pick up after Harry's wife passes. So we missed the whole episodic adventure before then, which I think they made a small game about. And at the end of that game, you see Harry and his wife come and get their daughter. And then it goes into Silent Hill. And then I think it's Silent Hill 4. Because I always like the Silent Hill movies. They're good. I didn't mind. Like, but I think I like I understand what you're saying is at that time, like we weren't all quite so interconnected on the Internet. We didn't have so much knowledge of things Mm -hmm. that we have at our fingertips now. So. Silent Hill. If you didn't know that there were comics at the time, you definitely like I never knew up until recently. Um, you definitely didn't know then unless you you knew, you know, unless I mean? you went like, looking, right? Right. Uh so for the movies to pull from the things they did and actually keep it fairly canon, um, I feel like it was treated pretty poorly. And that kind of sucks. Like I, I feel like I appreciate those movies now more than than I did when I, when I last watched them. And I, th- I think it was easy for the gamers at the time to see a movie based off a video game. And I think this was a challenge 
uh, then that isn't so much of a challenge now is uh, the only thing, unless you read the comics, the only thing you have to base the movie off of is the video games. Yeah. So if, if you didn't play the games or you've only played the games, like either way, you weren't going to know all that information. So for anyone who's and, and they do stay time skip between their games. They're not, in order. no, they're not in order. They kind of have a devil may cry thing where I think that's what gave, I think that's one of the things that gave resident evil, um, the edge a, kind of a, a, an edge on them. Um, I feel like because the way the games were made out of order like that, it gave us a false perception of the storyline as if it was just all jambled and didn't make sense or, you know, like that versus resident evil was much more linear up until the later, the, the later ones. And then you start, we start branching off into slightly different areas and times and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they were able to get away with it a little later once they were more established. Yeah. So for but anyone Silent Hill by far is a horror classic. For, for anyone just to, you know, who might not want to sit and watch a whole video, you can honestly, honestly go on Gamer Rant. Gamer Rant has kind of condensed it into like 10 paragraph parts of the story. And this is including, they, they, they kind of briefly include the comics. But to show that, you know, this is just not far-fetched, I'm going to read some of the parts. So it says right here, from the, you know, starting with the Silent Hill uh, storyline, before the European colonization of the Americas, native tribes referred to the land that would encompass the future town as the place of silent spirits. English settlers eventually ousted the Native Americans, like I said, and established a village on the sacred ground. A strange plague ravaged the budding village at some unknown point in the 18th century and was abandoned. Silent Hill was officially reoccupied in the early 19th century where the mining business, once again, like I said, that's when the mining came in, became quite lucrative. However, by the dawn of the 20th century, strange happenings in the form of disappearances began to occur in the town. This is after the curse has already been placed. People are getting sucked into Silent Hill. And then um, the story with Travis, the truck driver, that actually happens in 1976. That's before Harry. There's a, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that happens before Harry even comes into the picture, before Silent Hill 1 even happens. Because Harry makes a comeback in a later game, and so does Travis. And unless you knew and you've been following the Silent Hill games, you wouldn't even recognize either one of them. And it's kind of like the Easter egg for people who've been following the canon. Like Silent Hill is the example of what the MCU became. Silent Hill had started years ago with their comics and their games. They were already building a universe. Just nobody knew it. And it's and it's so insane. Like I I because I, when I saw the announcement for the new game, I was I was like, yo, I'm really curious about the Silent Hill lore. Like I haven't played a Silent Hill in a long time. And I know they had spinoffs. They had an arcade shooter. They had all this other stuff. And I never could. I never took the time to piece it together. And then I looked and saw like everything is literally connected. I think there's only like a few handful that is non-canon. Um, there was a remake or a, a new version of the original game that came out years ago, like 2012, I think 
that kind of altered the story. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but it it uh it's basically almost like their version of what if, I guess you could say. Like, you oh, know, they just did like an alternate timeline. Yeah. But it's well, I think that's been a big reason too why we haven't seen a Silent Hill game in so long is I feel like developers are afraid to touch it. Yeah, because of how much of a world is built on it. And to right. and, that. and the more we talk about it and the more you bring up how much is involved in the lore of this game and what's established. And obviously, you know, people it's a I feel like Silent Hill is more niche mm-hmm. than other than other like for Resident Evil, for instance. Uh, but the story is there and it's in depth. And like, I know, like I knew some of the story, but I definitely didn't know it to this extent. So I would imagine any, any developer, you know, curious about remaking a game would be hesitant to, to mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just for anyone who's wondering if they, out of curiosity, are like, all right, well, if all this happened before, when do we actually see Harry, Harry silent Hill one storyline doesn't take place until 1983. 1983 Travis, the truck driver was before that he was in 1976 and I was right. The the daughter's name was Cheryl. The newborn is adopted by the Masons. That's Harry and given the name Cheryl. But didn't the, didn't the first game take place like in the, in the nineties? No. Well, the game came out in the nineties, but the story takes place in the 80s, 1983. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. The story takes place in 1983 because Travis saves uh cheryl from a burning fire but i think yeah he saves her as she's supposed to be offered up as a sacrifice via the order for their their god i believe and that's alessa hence again the movie once again they're they're pulling right from the content but it says the chronological standpoint silent hill origins is the first game in the series it explores the trials and tribulations of travis grady a truck driver who decides to investigate the town after almost hitting a young girl standing in the road. The girl is revealed to be Alessa, the daughter of Dahlia Galepsi. Dahlia is the order's leader who seeks to use her daughter to birth the cult's god. Alessa is immolated and tortured as part of the cult's gruesome ritual. Nevertheless, after overcoming his own demons, once again, Silent Hill full plays on your guilt, anything you're carrying, Silent Hill manifests. Travis manages to derail the ritual and free part of Alessa's soul. The good spot, the good part, basically. This spirit taking the form of a baby is found by Harry Mason and his wife, whom they then adopt and name Cheryl. And then you go into the Silent Hills after that. So... It's uh because Silent Hill three is Cheryl all grown up and then Harry's, you know, Harry's Harry gets killed. And then that's when you pick up with Cheryl's storyline, almost kind of Resident Evil style with like Sherry Burke. I'd be so annoyed if I escaped a place like that and then continue to find myself in places like that yeah. throughout my life. I'd just be I wouldn't even be scared anymore. I'd just be very annoyed. Yeah. So it it's 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 a really interesting watch. It's a really interesting read. 
Um, I I want to see what how Silent Hill F fits into this, like where they're going to go with it. I want to see how they remake. If they remake the first Silent Hill, I wonder if they're going to follow the Resident Evil thing because remakes also seem to be the thing right now. I I it, I'm probably going to go out on a limb here and say that it's going to depend on how well it does. And if it does well, like resident evil one remake, well, um, they'll probably follow suit and continue to remake the rest of them. And speaking I mean, of why wouldn't they? It's, it's money. And speaking on games that have, are lore intensive, more lore intensive than people realize another lore intensive game is getting revived. Finally. Uh, once again, a, would have been a good October game to talk about dead space. Oh, Dead Space is getting a complete, like a complete graphical remake. Yeah, Dead Space is coming back. You know, I I played Dead Space back probably a couple years ago, um, and I felt like the graphics weren't terrible. Like they were not bad for their time at all. No, they weren't. It was actually horrifying for their time. Um, <laughs> Dead Space is the, still the stuff of nightmares for me to this day. And you're telling me that that's going to get remade? Oh no, <laughs> I'm not ready, but that is another game that has an established universe spanning a good, almost 300 years from their story. And I know you like books and I, I, and I think you would appreciate the dead space stories because Isaac Clark's story takes place like dog on 200 years later like when once again when you when we get introduced to the dead space universe as gamers 200 years of necromorphs have already existed and then they just plop us in with him and everything is connected and it explains in the first two books how it all started who found the marker first and what the heck happened from there and once again the Church of Unitology, totally not making fun of the Church of Scientology, um, pretty much have had an influence for doggone like 150 to almost 200 years. And their whole goal is to cleanse humanity. And I don't know if you played Dead Space 3, the one that everyone was like, oh, it wasn't that mm-hmm. great. I think people yeah. can appreciate Dead Space 3 because once again, there's a whole comic pre dead space three that explains Carver's story. A lot of people just thought he was this douchebag asshole that was angry for no reason. Like why does he hate Isaac so much X, Y, and Z and why he didn't want to work with, you know, why he was the way he is, is explained in a comic right before dead space three takes place. That man loses his wife and daughter to necromorphs. So he's already a broken man by the time we're introduced to him in dead space three. He's already broken. You know, it's it's funny because this is the second time that we've we've talked uh, that if you didn't read the comics, you wouldn't be able to appreciate a game. Mm-hmm. And the comics having come out before that, we we did it in Silent Hill, and now we're doing it here in Dead Space. And it's sitting here making me think of all the people online right now that are like, "It was in the comic. It was in the com." Like. <laughs> Where was that at earlier? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, cause, cause we right here, we have instances of people that didn't read the comics and they're complaining about a storyline mm-hmm. not being good enough. And now we have the opposite problem. Yeah. 
And, it, and it's, it's funny. Be- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Cuz um I didn't read. I didn't know there was comics. I found out that the Dead Space universe expanded after I had played Dead Space and they came out with the movie and Aftermath and that filled in some gaps. And of course, afterwards, you know, you see Isaac Clark's name pop up, but then the movie, you're like, oh, I know him. I know him. (laughs) But then it's like, you know, for gamers, Isaac Clark is the flagship of Dead Space. But he's really not. There are so many people that took on just as big, if not a bigger role to trying to stop the Necromorphs before Isaac Clark would have failed if it wasn't for some of those characters before him. That basically paved the way to create ways to deal with the Necromorphs to to, you know, they were passing down. Look, we got to stop this convergence. We got to stop this. Here's why. And then. The ending of Dead State, Dead Space Three, is more impactful if you've read the comics and watched the movie and even played that really terrible Wii game <laughs> of Dead Space, which was like the rail shooter. But the story does matter. There was a Wii exclusive. For there was Dead a Space. Wii, yeah. There was a Wii uh, Dead Space game. It was like a rail rail shooter. That's a random ass game to put on just the Wii. I think it was like at the time that the Wii was like really trying to get games to utilize their their motion. So they're they're kid they're what they're known for like kid friendly E for everyone type stuff, and they're like, you know what would really kick off sales? Dead Space. This horror game. I think it was like Extinction. I can't remember what. What? Am I am I crazy for thinking that? Yeah, it was called uh, a Dead Space move. Extraction. On the Wii. I never, I didn't play that one. Yeah, a lot of people didn't. Because I was using my Wii for other yeah. shit. Um, Nintendo exclusives. Well, what? But yeah. That's just a r- weirdly random game to put exclusively on Wii. Which kind of, it, it kind of sucks because it, like, you can't force people, because it, it has a huge integral part to the story. The story overall is canon. But then to force people to go get a system they might not own or to, you know, uh, to buy a game that was critically not well received hurt them. Oh, is that what they were doing? They, they were like, you know what? We don't have enough on this on this uh, we here horror game fanatics. Let's let's get them over yeah. here. Um, because I I completely missed Dead Space Extraction, and then I find out it's a hundred percent canon and ties into either right before or after the movie. Um, and I'm like, oh crap, it's all connected. 
go figure. <laughs> so, but I have to say, I love games that have like these expansive universes. I feel there should be more of them. Like right now, more Dead Space games. Uh, yeah. Is that is that what you? Yeah. It's like a, like a, a modern warfare type thing. <laughs> I, I just want, but I want every get year away a new from, Dead Space game. I want to get away from the modern warfare type. Like, okay, I'm, I'm always going to use them as an example because they fit the example of everything I feel a game should not be. People will probably say, "Oh, it has lore," but what 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 lore is it? What is Fortnite's lore? Overwatch has lore, but what's Fortnite's lore? What is what is their story? Because I remember what Fortnite was supposed to be originally when it first was announced. And then that completely went out the window. It wanted to build like kind of like a post-apocalyptic universe. And then somewhere along the line, they said, you know what? Let's be let's be a colorful PUBG with walls. And I prefer games that have these expansive universes because it's like something to be invested in. I mean, even God of War has a comic to fill in some blanks. And I love that. I love that. Get me invested in the universe. You know, everyone knows Halo has novels. Halo has, you know, the the show, the, you know, the occasional movies and stuff to expand their universe. But so do some of these other games that have been slept on and forgotten they have full expansive universes and i think people's views of games would change if they did a little bit more digging like we are those classic gamers who have that appreciation for that stuff you know like i told you hey you know silent hill is an expensive universe and you're like what show me but now we've got the modern gamers and it's like hey you know, so-and-so has an expansive universe and they're like, okay, but does it, does it come with the floss dance? <laughs> no, that was kind of proven on Elden Ring. Cause you know, I I've seen so many, not, to, not to go off too, too far off the topic here, but I've seen so many like clips and, and posts and stuff from people claiming that they were looking at items and they weren't gathering the information and, and you can't find the story. I'm like, yeah, I went through everything. It took me half the game to figure it out, but I went through it like the story's there. It's just not there conveniently in the way you specifically want. Yeah. And it, and, it, and I feel like that's how they chose to tell their story. And from software has always done that. They've they, that's nothing new. Um, if anything, Elden Ring was more forgiving in the small parts of the story that they gave you than even Dark Souls. Dark Souls gave to you me, nothing. It's, it's, to me, it's uh, I don't know if I want to use the word realistic, but it feels more immersive when I, as the main character, have to on my own kind of go out of my way to look for the lore that's around me. Mm -hmm. It makes it feel more immersive character. dialogue. I, yeah. Um, and, and it makes me like feel invested in everything around me because I'm paying attention very closely so that I can learn something. Cause I was the first couple playthroughs. I was constantly learning stuff. Um, I, I understand where people are coming from the people. They want that more linear storyline. It's just easier, especially when we don't want to think when we're off. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I appreciate games like that so much more. That's just the kind of gamer I've been for a long time. I like the way Elden Ring did it. I, 
I know this might piss off some gamers, but but hear me out. I don't feel any pity for the gamers that were upset that the story wasn't linear because games should not be brain dead. Video games should not be brain dead. If you look back at even some of the classic games, platformers, yes, they're smaller. Yes, they're easier than games of today. For some, I mean, some people probably would struggle with a game like Duck Hunt. Some people would struggle with an, the classic X-Men and the Avengers game back on Super Nintendo. Those games were a bit more unforgiving. They were hard. You had to think outside the box. They didn't hold your hand. You, you know, and to get the, you wanted to, you know, when you got those stories, it was rewarding because you put in that extra effort. Um, a lot of people have just gotten used to this instantaneous hand me so I can, uh, you know, just say I beat it kind of feeling. And with Elden Ring, I feel like there's two, there's two crowds of people. There are those who wanted to just find all the good, good stuff so they could go online and annoy other people in PVP. And then there's those who are going on there literally for the lore and the adventure. And then you get curious because you come across something you're like, because you and I have done it. We'll come, we'll be riding through and we'll see something and you would do it so many times. You'd be like, wait a minute, why is this here? What the heck is the story with this? And then it would just be this whole thing. And, but the, we knew the answer was somewhere. We just didn't mm-hmm. find it yet. There were lots of questions that needed. There's answering. a lot of questions. Like for me, where did these asshole falling jaw beasts come from and why are they here? <laughs> that per- preferably not in Elden Ring's uh, Florida. Yeah. So I love that. And then when if I can't find the answers, you know, for me, it was the Elden Ring wiki. And I was so invested. I literally go on the wiki to find the story. And even if I knew what the story was from the wiki, from the videos, I would watch that stuff. That stuff was entertaining to me because it opened up the universe and it, it made so much more sense on why we're here, you know, and more appreciation when a character dies. Because a lot of people, they just go play the game and they, you know, oh, if I kill this character, I get his stuff. Okay, but do you realize what you've done? <laughs> do you know what you've said in motion? <laughs> you know not that i'm looking at anyone in particular about a killing someone just because he said something wrong by saying you're maidenless <laughs> you know first thing i did when i walked out there and he started talking shit i just murdered him <laughs> on the spot and i'm like does no one pay realize the consequences of their actions <laughs> how it changes the world it did. It did. I had to, I had to do a second on my second run through. I did his quest, yeah. but, and, and I remember you saying that too, after I killed him, you're like, he was probably tied to a quest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, he's dead. Now. quest completed. <laughs> but you know, the, the, the game worlds that have that, that kind of dynamic have always appealed to me. Um, well, you know, it's it's what I, what games bring to the table that have good storytelling um, and Resident Evil is a great example of this is you're it's it's so much different. Like you sit down and you watch a good movie or a good show. You you feel for the characters, you bond with the characters, but in a, in a good video game with a good story, you're you are that character and you are in charge of 
you know, setting these uh, events into action, into motion. Mm -hmm. And you get to, it's kind of like it's happening to you. Mm -hmm. You get to be fully immersed. And that's one of the things that I love most about a good game. And you can have good game storytelling, even with linear stories. A good example of that is Red Dead Redemption. That game is built for you to have the feeling of you just reliving the memories of that character, which is why they don't let you go off the beaten path too crazy because they want you to play it a certain way because you're for them. It's a interactive movie. Basically, you're just reliving the days of this character. Their, their time has come and gone. You're just living the memory. Where compared to something like Elden Ring, that's supposed to be the present. This is the here and now. This is your adventure. How are you? How are you writing this story? You know what game I would love to see get revisited? I'm sure you played it. It was on. I can't remember if it was the Xbox or Xbox 360. The Suffering. The Suffering is another bone. I was obsessed with that game. Suffering was a bone. That had a good story, too. And I think. Yeah. Didn't they have a second game? They did, and I never got a chance to play that one. Yeah. Um, I think when it came out, I was uh, like about to go to the military or something at the time. Because I, w- I remember being like like fifteen or sixteen playing it. I would love to know. Like, I would. I think the suffering would be a good one to have some some lore backstory too. I played it so many times in a row to unlock all the different endings. And can you believe not one of these endings were fucking happy? It's called none of them were happy. It's called the suffering. Uh, no, yeah. No matter what I did, I suffered. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I was done, I, I felt more suffering because I did all that work to still experience suffering. They knew. Yeah, they knew. It's like once you beat the game once and realize you could get different endings, the suffering began. So I don't know if this is related. I just went to Google out of curiosity. I, I, I'm. It's probably not, but there was a 2015 film called The Suffering. <laughs> I don't think it's related to the game, but I just thought that was funny. Um, I wonder if there's. I, I just remember more. one one of the endings was that he, they insinuate. I don't remember the main character's name, but they insinuate that you know that big beast, that monstrosity he turns into, and he just ripped apart his enemies. Yeah. It was like rage mode or some shit. Uh, that it was just all in his head and he was a psych he was just psycho like schizophrenic to the max and and just crazy you know a lot of games that touch on that and it, it, it gave it more humanity with that ending yeah a lot of games that touch on that will leave you questioning your own sanity a game that let had me walking away both not only entertained but then questioning my own reality i don't know if you ever played hellblade send you a sacrifice no hellblade sinuous sacrifice is a game built around the condition of psychosis and they picked a very good uh theme for it i want to say using the norse mythology and it's hard to tell with hellblade and they never really go into whether the this is her mentally giving image to the Norse mythology in her head, or are we really fighting these Norse 
gods? Or is this really just all in her head due to the psychosis, you know, that she's always been afflicted with, which was known as the darkness in her. And basically she's trying to get her, you know, she's trying to get her lover's soul back from, from Hela. And this is her journey to go reclaim his soul to free him because the Vikings came and they raided the village while she was gone. They killed her, her husband in a, a Viking tradition, which was extremely brutal. And now basically she has to reclaim his soul from their gods. Uh, Cause she's a, she's a Celtic warrior, I believe. And it's such a good story. It's such a good story. But because of her journey, I had to go, okay, is this like God of war where in that world, we really are facing off against the gods, or is this literally her just going against the Viking warriors? But because of her psychosis and the story of the Vikings, how they're told, she's in her head created it where she's facing off against, you know, Salter and Valraven and Hela. And this is the manifestation in her mind of what you know, she's, she's heard and they never really explain that because you just get the lore of the Norse mythology and the trials and, and, you know, drew telling her everything he learned as he was a prisoner under the, the Vikings. So I'm like, cause it goes between reality and then suddenly it goes straight almost God of War Norse. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, if this is what people with psychosis have to deal with, holy shit. You know, I, you know who the, the people that don't get enough love, enough shout outs are the people who bring their knowledge of folklore and mythology into gaming and into storytelling. And you know that, that you can get a degree in folklore. You, you you know you really can't do anything with it besides teach. But I imagine that some of these developers, to some extent, at least a handful of them, at minimum, minored in mythology. mythology yeah, uh, when I was folklore and studying for, computer, I would think that it would have to be part of 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 it or something. Yeah, when I was studying but for it's computer amazing. science, um, and they asked me like, "Why do you want to do computer science?" I said, "Eventually, I might want to go into game development." And they said mythology mythology was oh so so it is it is, it is a, a pathway yeah. wow because i studied i had to i studied mythology when i was working on my computer science degree for for game development because so many video games pull from those mythos even even if it's subtle they pull from it in some way they might change the names they might change the sceneries, but if you sit down and you know any kind of mythology and you pay attention to the characters and their trials and things they go through, then in some way they're related to a hero in one of the mythologies. The villains are related to the villains in, in a mythology, the, the gods. They're all similar in, in some way. And it's just figuring out which mythology did this concept get get pulled from um and i mean the one one good example of a game that doesn't shy in or two games that don't <clears throat> shy in showing yeah we pull from the mythology 100 percent assassin's creed and god of war 
God of God of War intentionally goes down the the the, the mythos. They're going down the line. And yeah, I got to give Kratos wants all the smoke. Yeah, <laughs> he wants all he wants to take out all the gods. But I got to give credit to Hellblade because Hellblade motivated me to go back to God of War 2018. Because the Norse mythology was so good in Hellblade. It made me remember my class and it made me curious to see how God of War went about it. And for the most part, this man's been doing actual research. <laughs> I was doing research while gaming. Is this what you do on your spare time when I don't hear from you for like three days? It's because you're doing this? I was doing research and, and they stay similar. They stay similar. Obviously, they do differences, but they, for the most part, stay true to the actual lore because I, I played Hellblade and then I would read the, the lore about, you know, Loki and and when, you know, everything Senua went through and how her quests aligned within the Norse mythology. And I was like, oh, crap. This is pretty accurate. The stories are accurate. Cool. So I said, let me go to God of War. God of War is pretty far-fetched. Let's see if they're, <clears throat> as everyone says, lore liberal. You know, they, they, they're very liberal with it. But for the most part, even in the 2018 God of War, the backstories were still pretty accurate. Which also makes me wonder why people are getting so pissed about Ragnarok. I'm like, well, they're, they're pretty accurate. Like, if you, you just Google Norse mythology and then compare it to the stories that uh, Mesmer, I think it was Mesmer, or Mimir, there you go, Mimir, in God of War, as he's giving the stories, he's giving you actual lore. It's it's it seems like idle chatter that most people probably just drunk zone out when they're trying to. All right, well, I just need to go beat someone down real quick. But actually, listen to Mimir and his stories. They're giving you Norse mythology, and it's so funny. Well, damn, it's, it's no like, wonder they put out games that that aren't quite as detailed with those things because do a lot of us really pay attention to that stuff? Exactly, exactly. The the one it's when a hack and slash get through the hack main and slash get through the thing. Why doesn't Thor look like Chris Hemsworth? But they put in <laughs> so much work. They put in so much work with with their knowledge of uh, folklore and, and mythology. That's it's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Everyone is just stuck on the things that they know. Like I realize just how ignorant people are about the actual lore of stuff when everyone started fussing about. Uh, Spoiler, well, not even a spoiler. The game came out in 2018. So if you, you know, at this point, this is on you. But when you find out Atreus is Loki. And if you know Loki's story, you know who his future wife is. And then you know his tie to the world serpent and the whole little time loop that that in itself is a, a mind fuck. Because, uh, and then when Ragnarok was announced and then people got butthurt that Thor is mythologically accurate in Ragnarok. He's not supposed to look like Chris Hemsworth, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> like, and then when people were getting mad at Loki's future wife and how she looked, I'm like, okay, you guys obviously are just missing the complete point and missing the whole point of the story, but that's okay. Knock yourselves out. Um, but all that aside, the, the the lore is there. You can honestly learn enough to take a class, surprisingly to say this, from video games. I played Hellblade. I played God of War. And my buddy Tito, 
he is huge into Norse mythology. He was the one who suggested I give Hellblade a chance and play it. He was like, bro, because he, he loved the Northmen. He was like, it was the most accurate Northern uh, Norse movie he had seen in a long time. I still haven't watched it, but now that I'm on that kick, I'm interested in it. And when I told him I had played Hellblade, he was like, you know, we got to talk about it. And for him to even be like, yeah, these are pretty spot on. I was like, these games have that educational curve that you could literally take a class on. Because even the stuff that I remembered, I was like, yeah, that's what I remember. That's what I was taught in class. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. But it's understandable, too, because we're kind of I think in general, we're all kind of told constantly you know don't believe everything you see online don't believe everything you watch so naturally i think people are going to see video games and not that's not they're not going to think that that's all very accurate but just like you like there's been plenty of games that i've played that you know i'll go to like look something up or whatever and i'm like holy crap like wow and just over the years i've come to understand like how much knowledge they really put into the storytelling across the board for most video games and it's pretty cool it's freaking amazing um so <laughs> so like i wouldn't sleep on mythology based or mythology influenced games you know they're like they say oh don't believe everything you see on tv don't believe everything you see in you know these games well don't believe everything you see in those documentaries the murder documentaries either <laughs> it's not all true but no like i i love those kind of games um and there's another game that I'm into right now that's very heavy in, uh, I don't want to say like heavy in politics, but it's strongly moved by politics. And a lot of people are like upset because it's more conversation story than combat. It's it's a story driven game. It's a tactical story driven game. It's triangle strategy. And it's basically another spiritual successor to Final Fantasy Tactics, but it's more focused on the story. You know, you'll have a battle and then like a whole chapter could be the political aspect that drives the story. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, less talking, more fighting. And I'm like, but do you know why you're fighting? Like you skip the dialogue, you just get into a fight. You have no idea why. So you get to one of those endings, one of like, I think there's like four endings. And then, you know, the way a lot of people play, I'm like, you probably get the same ending ending over and over because you don't understand. You didn't listen to your characters. You didn't, you know, do mock battles enough to get those points to hear conversations between certain characters to understand their viewpoint, their political standing, why they feel they, the way they do. Skyrim is such a great example of... <laughs> of that of that very thing of like pay attention to the doc dialogue but also you get to experience and hear the funniest most random bizarre shit yeah in skyrim yeah so if you haven't played skyrim i highly recommend it just, if you haven't played skyrim you've been living on the rock for like almost 20 years <laughs> it's just when you when you were talking about the dialogue and stuff and like like building it up like i agree with you but then like i think of skyrim and i'm like same thing but it's also comical. Yeah. Yeah. Skyrim. Yeah. Skyrim was a perfect Some guys example. like heads poking out with like, <laughs> like, hi, I've never seen you before. And just like walks away. Like, it's just fucking funny. What was this video? There was the guard. There was the guard and the character, the main character is watching this guard kill a dragon, kills the dragon, leaps on his neck, kills this dragon. The guy 
the main character who's supposed to be the hero is just watching this happen. The guy gets off the dragon and he says, my brother's out there slaying dragons. And what do I get? Guard duty. <laughs> and he just walks away. <laughs> and the guy's looking at him like, bro, bro, <laughs> you just killed a dragon. What do you mean? <laughs> what do I get? Guard duty. Okay. So Skyrim has the best like one liners. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, like if you want like a good humorous uh story, yeah, Skyrim is that's probably why Skyrim keeps getting remastered and people just accept it because they get to laugh at it all over again. Oblivion oh, too. Man. Oblivion has so many bloopers in it that they just left in there because the game was so big. I would too. That, that, that game was so big. I I would too. I'd be like, "This is what you get." I'm not this touching is it. this again. Like, this is it. I don't want to hear any complaints. You know. On a side note, I wonder why we are. Everyone is giving so much shit, and they want a GTA Six. And I'm over here like, "Fuck that." Where's my Elder Scrolls? <laughs> <laughs> Can I get my next Elder Scrolls? Like y'all worried about GTA? I'm worried about when's that next Elder Scroll dropping. <laughs> I, I read an article recently. I think it put the next Elder Scrolls at like 25 or 26. Golly, and that's speculation. You know, it's also because it, it is. Yeah, I can see that being speculation because you know Microsoft now owns Bethesda, so Microsoft having their hand on that. And then they have all know online. Just, just like FromSoft, though, Bethesda, when they they take their time with their games and when they put them out, they're gold. And it may not be gold for the reasons you specifically want, like Skyrim and Oblivion. Like they're gold, but it's not just for the storytelling or the or it's for the fucking comical aspect of the bloopers and stuff. Unless it's, it's almost 76. to a point where like. Like I'd be kind of disappointed. I th- actually I would be really disappointed if the next Sky the next Elder Scrolls dropped and it didn't do the same stupid shit. I think they know that it's gonna have the stupid shit and they just leave it. They could patch that stuff out. They don't. I don't think they should anymore. <laughs> like at this point, like it's kind of like a it's a staple. Like it's a staple of the game. <laughs> like it's, please, like continue. Please let this be. Let let's keep this in there. I love that. Yeah, I think, but they, they, I mean, they have their moments of duds. Like Fallout 76 had the roughest launch for an online game. It was horrible. It was the most, it was a literal wasteland. There was nothing to do. Like now it's a full living, breathing wasteland, <laughs> but it's a livable wasteland. Um, I haven't been in there. I haven't played in a few years, honestly. I don't even, if I went back, I would have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I should, because, you know, I paid for it. But yeah, Bethesda, that's that's one of the gems of Bethesda. They create these really expansive worlds like that's what I want. Just give me my expansive worlds like even even Doom has its moments. Um, They're far and few between, but they have their moments and they have those uh, those silly little dolls you can collect (laughs) like and you're in a damn literal hellscape and they're like, stop to pick up your stop to pick up a doll of yourself. (laughs) Oh man! But you know what? This is this is this is what gaming is should be. I say is was should be. Um, and man, we've we've totally lost 
totally lost our way. Like, I'm glad that a lot of them are, are coming back. And it seems like devs are, are, are some are listening. And a lot of people just want those classic single player, those classic adventures back. I think I think for the most part, the devs want to give us what we want. But we're in the day and age now where the executives and the CEOs that make the decisions mm. and tell them what they need to make and what they need to do. Um, I think we're at a point now where if the money looks like it's more for making a subpar game, that's the direction they're going to go. But it's a double-edged sword for them because there always will be, no matter even after our generation, there will always be enough gamers that crave and appreciate good storytelling and good games that they these companies cannot risk putting out too many obviously with purpose shitty games just for money cash grabs they can't do that too often without putting out decent games or or amazing games because they will lose so much of the player base it's a double-edged sword on their side too there will always be gamers that want that. Yeah, I 100% agree, for sure. But what do you guys think, uh, listeners? Let us know what is a, a lore-intensive game that you're invested in um, that a lot of people didn't appreciate because they didn't know there was lore for, on the outside. Uh, what's a, 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 a deep mythology, mythological game that you're invested in? We would love to hear from you guys because I think... I, I, I wish, like you had said, that for October, there were so many horror games with deep lore. We could have done like an episode each week to uh, to cover. To, we would have needed an episode each week to cover them all. And, and the Silent Hill one, like, I don't even know why. I just had that Silent Hill kick. And I was just like, oh, yeah, they're coming out with new Silent Hill. So it was a great chance to, to talk about that. But I really I really suggest to you guys check it out go on youtube look up the lore of your favorite game and you might be surprised to see that there's so much more out there about it than just the games that completely opens up the universe and might like make more sense when you come across certain things in the games that are easter eggs or or whatnot but uh if you guys like this episode make sure to go visit us on patreon patreon.com forward slash osn media you can get these episodes early and totally ad free. Also, it helps support the show and you guys get amazing promo codes to our store. Uh, and now we're going to be at uploading some more bonus episodes exclusively for our Patreons. A little, probably do some more lives to be able to communicate with you guys on episodes like this, where we, you know, dive into game theory and dive into some game lore and actually have this communication with you guys. Uh, that 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 sounds interesting to you guys make sure to visit our patreon check it out and visit our store the gzshop.com grab yourself some exclusive merch we're going to be having some new designs coming out um we're actually in the middle of a collaboration with a with daddy goods if you listen to our afterthoughts after dark podcast go check that out uh so we'll be working on some stuff for that in the near future so make sure to go and check that out and if you like this subscribe hit that like button share it with your friends share it with your family share it with the fellow gamers be like hey you like gaming podcasts you want something that's not you know completely just news and a little bit out of the norm makes you think suggest the gz chop shop podcast new episodes every thursday anyway you guys have been amazing thank you for listening take care of yourself and each other and we will catch all you wonderful people 
on the next podcast. Later. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What's up, everyone? Project Itachi here. Did you enjoy the show? If so, think about supporting us on Patreon or ACAST for exclusive perks, content, and more. Also, visit our store, thegzshop.com. You can find all of our links on our website, osn-media.com. Until next time.